Good afternoon. This is Erin. Hi, Erin. So I'm stuck. I have a placement conundrum for a student. Oh, I like these. Uh, What's the team tried? (laughs) Uh, Everything. We have a tough kiddo who we have worked through all the processes with. Um, We've called all the separate facility placements we typically use for students with extreme behaviors, but none of them have any availability. None Um, do right now, right? Right. Yes. And we've even called the places we don't typically use for a variety of reasons. um, And no one has a spot available. So parents are demanding um, that the school continue services until the student's placed in a program that can serve him. My team is stuck and doesn't know what to do. Help me. (laughs) Can do. Welcome to Season 2 of On the Call, Ennis Britton's special education law podcast. I'm Erin Wessendorf-Fortman. And I am Jeremy Neff. And we are ready to dig into this call. I think calls like this, Jeremy, right, we get in a situation where what do we do? In most of the situations, it's we can no longer serve a child. We are awaiting an out-of-district placement, and I don't know if there is a spot in the country right now that has seats open in you-name-it type of out-of-district placement. I would be shocked. Everywhere I know, no matter the time of year, they are always full. We've got people like sitting on placement seats. They're like, oh, I've got a seat held. I'm like, how do you have that? Well, somebody owes me a favor. I put my name down. I know that we are fifth in line for this district, but that means, or for this out of school placement, that means January, which is never ideal. And so what do we do with a student in the interim is really the bigger question. Well, as a a bourbon collector, I got to say that I'm I'm more uh, accustomed to this because people will literally line up their lawn chairs outside of the store waiting for it to open up on the day of the delivery, which I refuse to do. Well, as well, you should. Also, bourbon collector also... I'm not a collector, you're right. No, you don't collect it just to stare at it, let's be clear. Fair. But when looking at it, right, from your and my perspective, we have to look at it from the perspective of LRE. Mm -hmm. And considering then what do the regulations say, what are the even just bigger level cases say about what LRE is? And really it's described as a non-academic restriction or control on an IEP that's separate and different from the measure of substantive educational benefits that facilitates a strong preference. I know your eyes went wide on me. Really for mainstreaming, right? right. The, the old school really way of referring to it was mainstreaming. We review it now as inclusion. Yeah. And I think Maybe under the next review of the IDEA regs, which allegedly were supposed to come out, mm, I don't know, how many springs ago, it probably will be changed from the terminology. But really all well and good is we really just try to educate to the greatest extent possible with typical peers. It's the whole concept behind this law. We, you know, we lose track of that sometimes when we're in fights where maybe it's a parent that wants this kind of bespoke program for a child. And it's like, well, no, the whole concept of the law was to include. It's not going to work every time, but that is the tendency. Well, but we have to also look at each of these placement options, right? They're a line on the continuum. And I realize I'm saying right a lot, so I'm going to really make an effort now to not say it. And so you're going to have awkward pauses or me going, also fine. We can edit it. Shut it. It's (laughs) fine. So in looking at it from the continuum standpoint, I think in our heads, we all understand it in a correct fashion. But districts, from what I've seen, can miss the mark in having these conversations where we've gotten to the point where every year we don't 
really in-depth talk about where we are on this continuum and is there a different option that would better serve a child on that continuum. One end of that continuum of spectrums being what? Gen ed. And the other being... All the way over, we're talking home instruction, right? No, isolated, no peer group. Um, it doesn't really address services necessarily, but it really limits the model of the delivery. But getting into those bigger conversations as a team is, I think, where the regulations really point. There was a case that came out of uh, the Sixth Circuit back in March of 23, this Knox County versus MQ case. And I know this isn't our case with which we're going to talk today, but it really focused on what are those services that make that segregated setting superior than those that can be provided within the inclusion setting. So within your general education setting or even a little bit out from that general education setting, if you look resource room or other places within a general school building. The push-in versus the pull-out and all of that. So there are two pieces here, and I think the case you found for us deals with the second half of this. The first half is getting to the point where the team uh, concludes we do need to look at some sort of outside placement, right? So that's the first part, and that's everything you've described here, and it's the I think the I use the analogy of shortening the playing field, and I've probably used it on prior episodes of this <laughs> podcast. I use it with clients all the time, but I really mean it. We shorten the playing field to the point where it's just not that big of a reach to say, you know what, we've gotten there. And I think that really aligns with the case law, where it talks about, like, how can you show this is superior? How can you show you can't appropriately serve this in the regular room? Well, a great way to show it is that you've made incremental changes, and it's still just not getting the results that we think would measure up to FAPE. So that's one part of it. The second part where we don't really have any regulations for it, which makes it challenging, is once you've gotten there and there's no space, right? The situation uh, that you presented at the very beginning of this, where we're calling around and there's nothing there. Now what? Well, and I think that's what sets us up beautifully. Thank you for that lovely softball of being able to say, great, we sort of know what the law says. We're in a situation now where we know what the law says, but the law doesn't cover what we're talking about. So there was a hearing officer who made a decision in February of 23. It was a New Jersey school district. I always like to make a Hamilton the Musical joke that everything's legal in New Jersey, but this case says differently. You should really get uh, onto the podcast more, right? We get all the old 70s and 80s jokes from you, all of the musical jokes from me. It's a grand and glorious day for both of us. Just don't ask me for like 70s and 80s musicals way before my time. But with this, I think broad level speaking, and I'll get into the details, but the administrative law judge is who decided this case in New Jersey. And the judge said, essentially, that a school was no longer allowed to provide home instruction to a student pending placement in an out-of-school district program, but instead had to provide a program uh, and placement consistent with the current IEP while they awaited the outside placement to open up. That's pretty scary from the perspective of a school district. If we've gone down the road of saying, hey, what we're doing here isn't working. We need to go to an outside placement. That is your LRE. What we are doing now is not it. But during the interim, we need to figure out something. Well, that interim, the administrative law judge says, too bad, so sad. You're figuring out something needs to be in the school building, not at this home instruction placement. And I think where in reading the case law, right, and looking at it from where can we learn from maybe if there was a mistake here or not a mistake here, just where the administrative law judge focused, 
It was the the administrative law judge said the district didn't provide sufficient justification as to why the student could not return to school pending her acceptance and placement in the out-of-district program. And that really sort of turned on where were the prior written notices, what did they say about what could or couldn't be provided, what was the safety of the students, maybe it was safety of others. I mean, it looks like, I mean, the student was in, um, she was eligibility category OHI from an ADHD diagnosis. Seventh and eighth grade didn't appear to really be her strength. She was in and out of school in terms of in the district for a placement out of district for a placement, came back in the school district for a placement because the out of district placement terminated her behaviors. So she was already outplaced, out of placement, terminated her attendance because of behaviors. So she came back to the school. And this is when the school says, no, we need to find another placement that exists out there in the interim, home instruction. And mom or parent at this time said, no, we don't like this. And and probably if someone said my kid had to be home for that long as well, I would probably lose my mind as well, right? It, it, we deal with limited information, though, on Correct. these, right? We, we give that disclaimer frequently when we're looking at these cases. And so it, it could be that people were all really happy and working arm in arm um, mm-hmm. going towards this. And it got to the point where the parent was kind of got tired of it, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something where you're kind of dragging the parents along and they reluctantly or maybe you could tell, wow, they they want to speak up, but they're not speaking up. And then they find their voice, whether that's because they're just so overwhelmed with frustration or they get an advocate one way or the other. But, yeah, don't assume – Sometimes we don't know what happened here, but it can feel like maybe a child gets in that home instruction setting and it's it's sustainable. It's safe. The kid's not disrupting other people's educations and there's not really a seat that's waiting out there. And there's still an urgency or there there needs to be an urgency. And there could have been here. We don't know what the facts are. Well, and it's it is sustainable and safe from the school district perspective. Right. I mean, without knowing too much of the facts here and just assuming behaviors might have had something to do with health, safety, and welfare of the individual child, maybe staff, other students, I don't know. But we might have contained the safety concern for home, right, at 10 hours a week is I think what they said. It was available after the school day. So we were protecting staff and students remaining back in the school district. But at home for that parent and that student, the urgency was still there, whether or not was still on the district standpoint, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But from the administrative law judge, they made it very very specific. They said the district did not demonstrate why home instruction was necessary or why it is the LRE for student pending placement. And that to me screams, what does your documentation say? What were the conversations at the table in terms of how were the IEP team members appropriately discussing each of those options along the continuum? Because what we're looking at here is a student who came back into the district and then almost skipped over the point on the continuum to add a district placement to go all the way to the end that says, here's where we are. We're now in the most restrictive placement, which is home instruction. 
And so I think in looking at this case, right, if we have lessons from this case and really go on to some practical tips, which is where I love to live, right, just because that's a lot of rights again. It's just going to be the mm-hmm. episode of how do we be right in making these decisions? You know, I think it's because no one can see this at home, but, you know, Erin's really working hard on not bumping the boom with her mic on it. <laughs> and, and I think it's just there, there's a vacuum and nature there abhors is. a vacuum. I'm going to need like a fidget for my hands. I mean, I'll go in my fidget basket in my office. Rights just slid right in there. Don't ju- make fun of me for my fidgets next time. But with that, when we talk practical tips, mm-hmm. so we've been in these meetings. And as much as as I think we have districts who are well-meaning that if we can get the parent to have the conversation and we're right there, right? The parent is finally, whatever, fine. I'm tired of having my kid emergency removed. I'm tired of coming up here. I'm tired of dealing with you people. Fine, sign on the dotted line. There still needs to be a dig in and have the conversation as much as we we might not want to, right? We don't see the point of doing so anymore because everybody's in agreement. Why do we care? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the danger, right? And and it's hard to read parents in a situation like this, at least in my experience it is. And and sometimes the school might feel really confident we're all on the same page and we're not. So I think continually coming back, and even if we know in today's environment across this country, we know that there are just not placement seats available. Um, I'm kind of in favor of owning that, meaning that this the court in the case you found for us said, oh, hey, look, you didn't justify that this was the kid's LRE. The reality is this district, New Jersey district, didn't have any placement available that was the kid's LRE. It's not back in school. It's out in some placement that doesn't exist. No seat exists. So owning that, hey, parent, right now, the team just agreed. We're all on the same page that this is the kid's LRE. Here's the thing. This is all the work we've done. Make sure the parents know it. Say it out loud. Assume nothing. Here's all the work we've done to find these. Here are the next steps. Here's where we're on waiting lists and all that. Um, Right now, we don't have your child's LRE available. We know that school is not it. That's the conversation we just had. We know that um, we don't have a seat in a place that is. We know home instruction isn't. So how do we balance this all out and make sure your kid gets the best benefit they can? And then when we're through this and your child's where they're going to thrive, we want to have a conversation about is there anything we need to do to um, make it right for your child? Compensatory education. I didn't. I was kind of choking on that word, but I think that's it, right? I think it is, and I think it's one where it might not be that the student needs compensatory education. It right. might be that they're at the right placement, they're learning, and they're growing exponentially, and it's fantastic. But it's having that piece to saying, here's why all the work we did to look at where are we going for a placement standpoint. And also then all of the work we did prior in terms of how did we get here to looking out of district? Here are the behavior plans that we've worked on. Here's the changes that we've made. Here's where we no longer have the capacity here at school to appropriately support your child. Let's say we've gone from a gen ed setting to a two or three on one right? That is not a sustainable event in most general ed setting public school districts, especially when you layer on the additional needs of behavior, therapeutic supports, counseling, all of those additional pieces, a student can often be better served in in an out-of-district placement that really focuses on those aspects and making sure then to document all of that conversation in a prior written notice. Yeah, before we started recording, we were having a conversation about this, and you were just talking about how 
to capture those things that just truly can't be recreated in the regular school setting. Um, and so I often will look to what are the physical differences, right? There, there are sometimes literally physical differences between the building that might house a program that's a separate placement versus the building that houses regular 9 to 12 education. Uh, look to other things that are just so um, built into the system that they cannot just be tweaked. Students going out in the hallways between classes. Sometimes that's enough. The, the way a child's behaviors are appropriately responded to requires being able to occupy a hallway for an extended period of time. We can't promise that, and that cannot be recreated. That's not a matter of staffing. It's mm -hmm. not a matter of expense. It is just a reality of running a regular school building. So those sorts of things are where we need to focus when we're doing that documenting, right? Well, and it, it's what is maybe the level of behavior supports or emotional supports. You might have a school building that is more based Based on, let's say, counseling and therapies due to a student's mental health level. And the focus for that student in those moments needs to be at that time, their mental health needs are so high, they need to be somewhere that mental health can be focused on. That's an individualized decision for that child. But then having that other piece to the conversation, which is also hard, we finally maybe get a parent there. The parent also has to understand maybe what they're giving up mm -hmm. to the extent that, hey, you might be going off for a mental health need. We are balancing that with the ability to do smaller level of your core content. But that's because this temporary need for your child for mental health is so high. With that, though, and I think we would be remiss to say this is not a one-time conversation. Right. This, right. And I think – just a guess, I think there are districts out there that only have this conversation once the placement happens and then, whew, placement's done, we're fine. When, for all intents and purposes, districts move students in and out of out-district placements all the time. It is not a now you're out of here, you're never coming back situation. Students move in and out every single school year. But having that, or sometimes they're there for many years and then come back, right? It's one where I think having the conversation at an annual IEP meeting, having a dedicated time to that conversation of what is the LRE that your child needs? How do we support this in the most appropriate fashion and based on your child's needs, not based on what, you know, our staffing is or necessarily mm -hmm. in that respect. It's what does your child need and, and how do we go about that? So if we circle back to the caller, at least at the end of this conversation, I do think having the ability to have documentation on what can be provided in the interim. It's documenting the conversation with the parent so that if parents are saying, hey, this student can't be home. We can't do home instruction. This doesn't work. Your home instruction is only after school. I work. You can't do this to me. Understanding that piece and making sure the IEP team has heard that, but also then documenting along the way, here's what needs to be provided. Here's the work, as you just said earlier. Here's all of the work we've done to find this placement. What do we do in this interim and bring parents into that team conversation so they're part of that broader level of understanding where we are as a district for support? Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share and give us a review on your favorite podcast platform and follow or subscribe to On the Call. This helps other special education leaders find the podcast.
If you have a topic you would like to suggest, a question about today's episode, or anything else you'd like to let us know, please email us at podcast at ennisbritton.com. A quick note, this podcast is intended to be used for general information only and is not legal advice. If you have a specific question, please consult an attorney. Whether by phone or this podcast, we're looking forward to being on the call with you again soon. 